1: Broadcasting from the Annie Up! Studio, it's the longest-running poker podcast for the everyday poker player, with your host, Joe Scale.
2: Hello, A-Team. It's Friday, March 31st, the last day of March. April's already shaping up to be a busy one. We're going to be in Schenectady for the Electric City Poker Series. Then Chicago for the Camp One Step Charity Tournament on April 20th. I hope to see a lot of you guys at these events. The magazine's going to be coming out on Monday as well. I had originally planned to get it out on the 1st, but I made a decision for it to be digital so that it would be easy for you to read it wherever you are. That means it's a new program and I want to make sure I work out all the kinks before I release it to you guys. So, be looking for it on Monday. It's new, and there's going to be a learning curve for you and I both. So, if you have thoughts or questions, ideas, send them to editor at anyupmagazine.com. All right, let's get on with the show.
1: Find out what conversations are happening around the poker table with Tabletop.
2: Here we are back around the poker table and we've got Mike with us again. How you doing, Mike?
0: All in, brother. I'm all in. You're hold, all on. in. Sorry, sorry, I'm hold on. <laughs> Guys, just y'all hold it down for a minute. I gotta I gotta do this <laughs> with Joe. Hey, man, how you doing?
2: <laughs> I'm doing all right. Uh, you know, the Magazine comes out in a couple of days. I had originally planned on it being on Saturday the 1st, but I think it's best if it comes out on Monday, but uh, super excited about it. That's um,
0: exactly right. And y'all will be reading on that thing now while you're listening.
2: Yeah. Mm, 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 mm. Um, so everybody, when you're at the poker tables, you'll have a, you'll have some reading material when you're not in the hand.
0: I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you can have some reading material at other places too, but. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> hey, so tell me, what's on your list for today?
2: Because um, I, I just
0: had something I wanted to ask you What Did you <laughs> did you have anybody else hop on the bandwagon with me when we was talking yeah. about staking people? I've sold 35% of what? myself.
2: Good Lord. The main event. So, some more out there if anybody wants to jump on board with it. We've got, um, what, if, well, it, Two weeks ish before before the main event, maybe what? two and a half weeks before the main event. So oh,
0: that's awesome. Guess what happened to me? What? I was sitting around the table over here just the other night, and after we talked last week, and I mentioned that, and before I left, I was a hundred percent staked, one hundred percent staked. What? I was like, yeah. I asked him. I said, are y'all serious? You all want to? Yeah, Michael. What do you want? It rare, medium rare, medium. <laughs> I said, "All oh, you dogs. Yeah, so I, uh, whatever. Oh, nice, brother, nice. Well, I expect there's going to be more folks coming along. We got a long time before we're going up. It's there. a couple more, two more, three more weeks, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I think, it. I mean, it'll be fun to see what happens there. Yeah. I mean, I just can't wait to be sitting at the tables and playing.
0: I like to see how it works out, taking the percentages and stuff, paying out the percentages and,
2: Speaking of being at the tables, last week's poll question was, should there be food at the table? Sloppy
0: food, anyhow. You know, mustard and-
2: Yeah, so um, a couple of people said, you know, it kind of depends on if it's messy food or not, right? And one person said it, it depends on if it's a home game. Oh, yeah. Or in the casino,
0: yeah. I mean if I'm if I'm having a home game and we're drinking, we're gonna have pizza. I'm yeah. sorry. And then chocolate and everything else. Sloppy well, cards. Like,
2: yeah, like <laughs> somebody somebody said, I don't even remember who it was, but somebody I was talking to said that, you know, it's it's part of the payment. Kind of when you're going to a home, some home games, you know, you're you go to their house and they plan on ordering pizza or making some yeah food barbecue and stuff whatever. like that.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean that yeah, was I think mainly I, I, my biggest. My, mainly, I was talking about these casinos I go to and want to you know, and we're playing.
2: Well, it was funny because some um, one person we were talking about the sandwich. They said, "Well, you know, there's the fourth Earl of Sandwich," and I'm like, "What? What are you? What are you talking oh, what? about?"
1: <laughs>
0: Fourth, the Earl
2: Fourth Earl of Sandwich. So there's a, an excerpt from a writer in the 1770s that says, uh, this is a quote from his writing that says, uh, a minister of state passed four and 20 hours at a public gaming table. So absorbed in play that during the whole time he had no substance, but a, bit of beef between two slices of toasted bread which he ate without ever quitting the game. He had a roast beef sandwich. (laughs) The new new dish grew highly in vogue during his residence in London and that person was the fourth Earl of Sandwich.
0: Fourth (laughs) Earl of Sandwich. Oh my god. I'm telling you, did he? Have, I really want to know if he had any mustard on that puppy. Right.
1: <laughs> now so, it
0: takes us, we can do another poll question. Roast beef on toast. Do we have mustard or mustard and horseradish, y'all? Uh, no, that's, we'll do that some other day. Not uh, horseradish. Uh, oh, yeah. Got to have it all. Lay it stuff on there. So anyways, what was, our, what was the outcome of our poll?
2: Between all of our social media, 60% said no food at the tables okay so 40 percent said yeah it's fine okay so but then
0: we justify it with sloppy foods and not sloppy foods there's, there's little things there all the way but but 60 of the people that, that you're playing with don't want you to be slopping on the cards right. I guess y'all remember that one i'll remember it when i grabbed my roast beef sandwich
2: and, and I'll be person, thinking of the
0: Earl too. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and one person said, "No alcohol should be served at the tables," but um, I think I, oh, under- I disagree. <laughs> I think I yeah, here. I the drinks, guys. Y'all keep yeah. drinking. <laughs> I think I think I understand where they were going with that, but at the same time, drinks at the tables has helped me win a few pots here and there for sure. I was getting ready to say, <laughs> I,
0: I, I think I've won a few. I, I think I brought home some. A lot more money than I would have in some of these games if it went with the drinks at the table. So I wasn't, I wasn't upset because I told them before we started, boys, I'm drinking ginger ale and coke.
2: Yeah.
0: It's a mixed drink, but it's not what you think it is. <laughs>
2: yeah. You know,
0: so I'm playing poker. <laughs> That's a, yeah. I don't, unless I'm having a home game with friends, I don't mix my alcohol and poker. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Home game, home game is different all around,
0: right? Now, when I get bumped out, like I did when I was with you there last time, At that casino. I went to the bar and Joe come over. Guys, Joe had to come over to the bar and ask me what I was doing. (laughs) Okay.
2: Well... One last thing I kind of wanted to touch on is I don't know if you've heard much about this uh, poker match between Matt Berkey and Nick Airball.
0: Oh, uh, they just want to make sure they finish it and don't miss a session or quit it. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. That's it. going to so, be a nice match.
2: Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a good one. They, I mean, they've been going back and forth on Twitter for a while. They hired they hired a mediator to help them get through all of the. Help them get through all of the, the rules of the contract. So Phil Galfond is mediating because they had, after they set all these terms, which by the way, the terms are, they're going to play 200, 400 blinds with a 400 big blind Annie, a hundred K minimum. So there's no max, but there's going to be three sessions Saturday, Sunday, Monday, each week, six and a half hours per session. Yep. So the, the match will last 100 hours, and either player can quit when they're down a million. Okay. Okay. So there's a, But there's a $10,000 penalty for a missed session or quitting early.
0: Well, you don't want to quit early unless you're down a million. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So wow.
2: then Nick Airball, he had come back and wanted to have a friend of his on the rail and Berkey said he didn't like that idea because it's supposed to be one on one. Exactly. So they went back and forth on that, and I think they've got that sorted out. But
0: official, so, this may be. Yeah, I, it,
2: it may be going back and forth for a while until they actually sit down and play. But we'll see. But let me
0: tell you the terms at the terms of this thing, though, that I, uh, I've read. I, I, I don't think there should be somebody at your rail. It's you and him. It's that simple. Yeah. Because I don't want to look over there and, and wonder if his buddy's got that eyelash that he keeps pulling right there for some reason or another. <laughs> you know, I, I just, no, you know, it's one on one.
2: Yeah. And, you know, even, even having somebody there that can give you updates because it's going to be live streamed, I think. Mm-hmm. So you don't want anybody able to give you updates or anything. Yeah, nothing. Like that, hey, so. I don't, uh,
0: nobody around. The dealer, and you and him and the uh, mediator that's it and they can live stream it all they want but shut it down shut it down yeah yeah
2: and actually i i'm not a hundred percent sure about that it may not be live streamed that but if it's not then they're missing an opportunity
0: <laughs> i tell you what they darn sure are holy cow so
2: that's really it's it's an interesting it's an interesting match between the two you know Berkey, yeah. Berkey is a poker coach at Solve for Why. He's been he's been there forever. Yeah. Nick Airball is uh, he's a player on the Hustler Casino live stream, and he he can sling some money around for sure.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, good luck to both them gentlemen. Yep. I hope y'all have fun with it, and uh, if you live stream it, I'm probably gonna watch some of that. Yeah, absolutely. Just for the heck of it. We're gonna keep our eyes on you. And uh, before we go, Joe, there's one thing I'd like to ask Okay. you. And maybe you'd use it as a poll question for next week. I know it could be something you could use as hand of the week even. But I just want to throw this out there real quick. Okay. Um, I was playing in a tournament, uh, what, three nights ago? And uh, we had nine players that started, uh, $1,500 each. And we were going at it. Uh, long story short, it came down to where we were only paying out the first and second place winners, okay? Okay. And it it came down to heads up between another fella and me. Now can you believe that? <laughs> me. Big Mike. I'm sitting over there just sweating nails and trying to smile.
2: Right. <laughs>
0: I'm playing good poker. And we me and this fella, we we were about 50-50 on chips. Now he he might have had 52 and I had 48%, something like that. We played for about 20, 30 more minutes going back and forth. You know how you go down where you got 25%, 30% and go back up. We played and played and played for about 25, 30 minutes, and we were right back where we started, about half the chips each. I think I had seven or 800 more than him, okay? okay. And um, I was on the button. Cards went out. As soon as the cards went out, he shoved. <laughs> even? Figure, I, I need to look at mine. I need to. I'm sure he saw his card. Okay. But I mean, it was one of those deal, 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 shove. So I had to take a peek at mine, and I had an ace, queen, suited of hearts, and I got him covered with about 700 left. Now, that's, you know, that's not even a big mind right at that point. True. But uh, ask my question right there, guys. What should I have done? Called him, folded. That's my question. Um, so, let's. Uh, all right, I won't throw that. Throw that out as a poll question. Right,
2: I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give my input. I'll give you my input next week. We'll see what the agent has to yeah. say. Yeah,
0: yeah, I'd love to see what they have to say. Uh, uh, do you got everything you need to write that up, or you need me to send it? to uh, You're you
2: gonna have to send it to me. I'm sure. I think I've got it, but uh, send it to me. And
0: yeah, because I'd I like to. I'd like to throw that in. The, in the kitty. I got a better one for the hand of the week where I really have got hurt. but <laughs> Well, thank you for letting me rant about that because I need to know what the A-team would do before I tell y'all what I'd do.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds good. We will talk again next week.
0: All right, brother. All right, A-team. Power to the poker players. Ooh.
1: Now it's time for Call the Floor with Elliot Schechter.
2: Elliot Schechter is the Poker Room Manager for Rivers Casino in Schenectady, New York. He joins us each week to say how he would rule on situations that come up in your games, and he's with me again this week. Hey, Elliot, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well, Joe. How you doing today? I'm doing well. We're recording this a little bit early, so baseball season's getting ready to start. The World Baseball Classic just ended. It was a great tournament series. It's a great time of
3: year. Uh, The Classic was well-named. This was a really, really great tournament to watch. Excellent stories every day. Absolutely. Yeah, so the weather's turning
2: warm. People are starting to get out. Everybody's in a little bit better mood when it's warm, which is always good. So
3: It's good for poker.
2: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That's true. And speaking of poker, we have kind of a different take on things this week. Uh, It's going to be a little bit more like uh, an explanation of the rules, I think, this week, but it's sent in or it was posted actually on the AnyUp fans, Facebook page by Travis Marks. And he says, I've got a unique question. Three players in the hand short stack is all in pre for less first to act player. A check dark as he normally does. Other player B also checks dark. And before the flop comes out, the original player, a checks turn dark. So, basically, they checked it down. Right. Uh, so, their question is, at what point is checking it down like that collusion? They didn't specifically say, let's check it down the whole way. So, you know, at what point is that against the rules, I guess?
3: All right. Well, we have our uh, Call the Floor Special Edition, Consult the Floor. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> This can be a touchy situation, and I see what Travis is talking about. Poker is a is a singular endeavor. It's one player to a hand and one hand to a player. Uh, no team play, no collusive behavior is allowed. Uh, this was not overt collusion, and is certainly a little bit collusive in appearance. Very technically not. I mean, nobody was acting out of turn. Right. Nobody yeah. was explicitly telling somebody else to do something, nor explaining why they were doing it. It was just checked down, which is the way poker is gonna be played in tournaments, especially when you're down to the last several players and you're paying out the money and yeah. and having two live hands against an all in player at the showdown is much more meaningful to the remaining players than having only one player left. Yeah. To yeah. show down.
2: Yeah, turn tournament's a little bit
3: different in that aspect than than cash, so for sure. Uh, That being said, I am going to enforce penalties and and warnings when players are, are much more open about this. I have sent people to the rail even when the blinds will essentially eat them up because they violated rules. Sure. And I wouldn't hesitate in other spots. This really doesn't come down on that side of the line. It's certainly allowed. It's not encouraged, but it's pretty natural. As long as they're not checking in a manner that's much different and guiding uh, than they've acted previously in this tournament well let's let's take it one step
2: further then and say that the person was was all in and neither one of them had needed to look at their cards because they were small blind big blind whatever mathematically it was right so they don't look at their cards and they announce I, i'm not even looking at my cards i check does it change
3: yes <laughs> yes it does yeah even with uh, that seemingly innocuous statement it becomes a, a rather guiding statement yeah you're trying to lead your your fellow opponent into doing the same thing to increase everyone's chances of, of a higher payout it's subtle in a way but we're allowed to take context and experience into account and move from there when look at it looking at it that way it's not particularly subtle <laughs> and it does violate the rules of the game
2: yeah It's one of those that in tournaments, it's like you said, it's pretty common. It's not, from a mathematical standpoint, two against one is always a little bit better odds, right? But I think one of the comments was, let's say
3: one of them had the nuts, they would have to bet, right? They would certainly be encouraged to bet. (laughs) And again, the player with position would eventually have to bet. Yeah. The player under the gun doesn't necessarily have to bet because you could always claim that they were going for a check raise right to increase the size of the pot so yeah and if if you're under the gun with the nuts you don't necessarily have to bet but if we're on the river and and you've got the final act and you do have the nuts and you don't bet in that spot especially in this very specific spot where a player is all in and you're betting on the side and you don't bet well, we've got a serious problem
2: <laughs> that's true yeah then then it's some serious penalties
3: absolutely yeah
2: I mean, that it's a pretty cut and dry deal there, but I did feel like it was important to address that one and give it some clarification for sure. But was there anything else you wanted to add to that, Elliot?
3: I suppose that once again, while not every situation is the same, if you got a question about what's happening or you are concerned about what's happening, call the floor. <laughs> there you go.
2: <laughs> Perfect words to end on. All right. Well, if you have a call the floor that you would like Elliot to go through, then send it in to uh, podcast at com. Let's break it
1: down with Hand of the Week. All
2: right. Here we are with another Hand of the Week, and we've got Patrick here for another week. Uh, a win and a half now.
4: Win and a half. We're called, what did we say? <laughs> wash there? But yeah, win and a half, and we're on to the next week. We're, that's what we're going to call it. So.
2: Before we get into the hand this week, uh, Drew Cohen actually reached out with a different perspective on last week's hand, so I want to touch on it real quick before I get into this week's hand. If you remember, last week we had pocket queens, and we ended up four-betting pre-flop. We got called, and the flop came ace-jack-four-rainbow. Drew's thought was, should we have turned our hand into a bluff on the flop? since we have the betting lead.
4: Interesting.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I, I sent Drew a response. I'm going to sum that up, but then I want to hear what you think, Patrick. Sure. So my what I sent uh, Drew, trying to turn an ace-high board into a bluff It's pretty tough. First of all, we still have pocket queens, so we may not need to be bluffing. But if that is the route... Then we started the hand with uh, 850, right? Pre-flop, we were in for 150. So if we bet half pot as a C bet, then we only have 550 left in our stack. So now if he comes over the top, then we're in kind of a gross spot and we have to end up uh, fold or after committing over a third of our stack. Uh, I, I don't feel like there are a lot of hands there that that we're worried about that would actually have much fold equity either. So, if Merton doesn't four-bet the hand pre-flop, maybe we could get away with a few more options. But as it was played, a four-bet kind of polarizes our hand quite a bit. We've either got nothing or we've got something big, right? So Yeah,
4: because then at that uh, point, if I'm doing the math right in my head, just remembering back then, did he four-bet on the flop or...
2: No, he four-bet pre-flop. That's yeah. what I
4: thought. That was pre-flop. So, I mean, at that point, it's hard for our, at least from my point of view, you know, the... The novice point of view looking at it was, at that point, it's hard to really put a good bluff bet in because he's gone in so big, you've already called to see the flop, and now, you know...
2: Right, so what he when he calls a four bet, what are you getting to fold there? Yeah. So, on an ace-high board. Now, you know, if it was all... Low cards. Yeah, if you're sure. sitting there two, but then two, you're not bluffing. <laughs> you know, two
4: eight, whatever. Yeah, you're good to go. I see what you're getting at. That's an interesting. Look at it. I, I don't know that you would have come out. I mean, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but I don't think you would have come out smelling like roses on that one. And it's hard, at least again from my point of view, just looking at the amount of chips to really put in a good bluff bet of how many's already in the pot. Right. So
2: yeah, and as it turned out, he had flopped the straight. So yeah. Um, that makes it even. Are <laughs> you, you really? Hard to bluff that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, the hand this week is sent in by Joe Welton. Nice name, Joe. Great name, Joe. <laughs> he's playing two five no limit. He has two thousand dollars in his stack, but he's the second shortest stack at the table. There are seven others with over five k, and the shortest stack is a little under one k. So we start the hand. The middle position. Which is also the short stack raises to twenty dollars. You said we're playing two five, right? Yep. Okay. The low jack calls and we have Pocket, pocket deuces. deuces. All right. <laughs> We've got Pocket Deuces in the hijack. So what are you gonna do with that? You've got a middle position that raised you, low Jack called, you're next and to he, him with uh, the pocket twenty dollar raise. And you've got the the cutoff okay. and blinds and button left. Well I'm calling. I'm I'm gonna play
4: this hand. If that yeah, I mean I'm not gonna go any more than that. So let's go ahead and call and see what happens.
2: Alright. So uh Joe actually calls as well. Come. Okay. And the cutoff raises to one twenty five. It folds around to the middle position who calls and the low jack calls.
4: So we got three hands in and then it comes to me. Yeah. At one twenty five.
2: At one twenty five.
4: And I'm already in for what? 20.
2: For 20. So it's 105 to you.
4: And repeat back the stacks that we have. So I have 2,000.
2: You've got 2,000. The shortest stack was the original Razor with the 20. And everybody else has over 5K. So
4: it for me, I mean, I will say this one. It's the way that I at least play this game. And I looking at this hand, I would probably bet this only to see the flop. I have a pocket pair already, so I, you know, and I have I don't know have any background exactly how everyone's been playing, but I'm probably going to call that and see at least the flop.
2: All right. Well, that's what uh, Joe Welton does as well. Okay. So you've got four players that see a flop. There's five hundred dollars out there now, and the miracle flop comes out with six. Of clubs, two of spades, eight of diamonds. You hit your set. Trips, it is. Before we get into this, let's let's talk about a little definition.
4: Okay, let's, <laughs> let's hear it.
2: <laughs> teach me. Do you know do you know the you. difference between a set and trips? Well, I'm gonna
4: say with you teaching me this, no, because to me it was it's the same thing which is my novice point of view on this.
2: Yeah. That's why I wanted the sidebar. Here. Okay. All right. <laughs> because in a lot of, there are a lot of people that this is their pet peeve, right? Because there's a big difference between a set and trips. So in this hand, we have a set because we have two in our hand and there's one on the board.
4: Oh, uh, okay. Is trips if, one in our hand, two on the board? So trips, yeah, you would have. Hey, I'm a quick a learner, bit. at least. All right, <laughs> okay, well, that's good to know. So, I'm not necessarily... so if you've
2: got a set, then it's more disguised, obviously. Makes sense. So that's why it's such a big difference there. That's uh, good to know, though. I, I
4: mean, if you know, if anyone else was in my boat out there that doesn't know, and if not, my apologies. But hey, we learned to <laughs> learn to live. So, all right,
2: all right. So we've got the set of deuces. Middle position leads out for 125.
4: Correct me if I'm wrong, he was an original bet too. He was
2: he was the one that originally let out for twenty. For twenty. For twenty, yeah.
4: And then he got raised to one twenty. Okay. So he starts at one twenty five now.
2: Yeah. So Lowjack raises to four (laughs) hundred. And you've got a set of deuces.
4: So I started with two thousand. I'm in for what one one forty five? Am I doing the math right there?
2: You're in for one twenty five. I'm in for one twenty five. Okay.
4: And they bet four
2: hundred. Yeah, they just raised to four hundred. Now what?
4: I got a call. I've got I've got my hands. Um, obviously I'm getting low on on chips, but I mean that puts me in for basically a quarter over a quarter of my chips at this point.
2: Yeah. So, uh, Joe also calls. Okay. The cutoff folds, and the middle position calls the the raise. Come. Okay. So there's twenty one hundred dollars in the pot, and you've got three players to the turn. Which is the nine of hearts?
4: It's a terrible card to come out.
2: <laughs> now the short stack goes all in for four forty eight. The last of his, the low jack calls. What's your play?
4: He his all in is how much?
2: Four forty eight. So that so, puts us in
4: for over half our, or just shy. Well, still shy of half our chips. The all in. I mean, he he's got to have a straight, right? He's got to have you know seven ten five seven. That's at least my thought process. I don't know what to do. I'm. It. My gut says. My gut says to, to fold and walk away and live and fight another day. In all honesty, so that's probably what I would do.
2: Okay. All right. Joe calls. Good for him. There's three thousand four hundred and forty four dollars in the pot. The river is the eight of spades. The low jack checks to you. Oof. What are you gonna do with a boat now?
4: I'm going all in. If I'm Joe and I'm in this, I'm going all in. Right? And that's, mean, that's the right. Reasonable.
2: That, that's reasonable. Joe grabbed a thousand out of his stack, which has to be all of his.
4: At that point, right? yeah.
2: But ultimately, he checks back. Interesting. All right. The result is I win with deuces full of eights. Small stack, the one that went all in, had the five of diamonds, seven of diamonds.
4: Okay. So called him so, on his five, seven. There you go.
2: Um, and the low jack mucks. So we don't know what he had. He says, I should have bet the river, but checked because I thought the low jack had a better set and wasn't sure if I was going to call his all in. Ah. I had put low jack on pocket sixes or eights due to the raise post flop and panicked as the pot got bigger. So my questions are, or Joe Welton's questions are, I flat called the raise on the flop because the low jack 3-bet, and I now had two callers behind me. I wanted to see who else would call without setting off alarm bells. Figured I couldn't get much more value and would only isolate better sets. Was this correct? And then a second question is, post-flop, should I have known or assumed there was a player with an open-ended straight draw? With the pre-flop action... I figure a holding of five of diamonds, seven of diamonds is not in play. I believe my call on the turn was correct. So there's a lot to unravel here.
4: <laughs> there is, no doubt about it. It is interesting to hear the different mindsets, how we all play this, you know, play the game. Because I didn't, I as soon as the the bet came in after, I mean, I, I immediately went. Someone had the it. I mean, had the straight draw. I mean, that was just my mindset when that one came in. And then it was uh, okay. Well, you know, I, I'm maybe I should go away. Maybe I shouldn't.
2: But I personally, I don't think pocket two should not have been in this hand. <laughs> <laughs> pocket two should never have gotten here. You got really, really, really lucky, Joe. Really lucky. You've got a tiny pocket pair in early position with numerous people behind you who can squeeze. Yeah. So the first $20, I would have folded. Simply because who's making the raise is the shortest stack at the table. You feel like he's got something. True. Now, we don't know table dynamics. There could be just a huge whale at the table that's spewing money and you want to get in on that. But if that's not the reason, why are you in the hand? (laughs) Then it's three bet, and you still do and it. And I like it. Run. <laughs> run. <laughs> set mining four ways is not profitable. Yeah, it's when true. you when looking at it in the long term, in this case it worked out, but set mining with pocket deuces, four ways, if you keep doing that, then I invite you to come to my next game. <laughs> 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 um, flop and turn. I mean, I guess it's fine. It's whatever. But, again, you shouldn't be there. <laughs> then, once you river, once you river the, the boat, you get scared? You got to, you, you made your miracle. <laughs> and then, you got scared. That is a good point. And, I mean, look, he,
4: I, he played the hand better than I did. I, I will say, the the other Joe, Joe. Um, but he I mean that's a tough one, especially as he described that he went ahead and pulled his chips and then just couldn't do it because he panicked on that I mean, yeah, when you get your hero flop there I mean that's when you just go full bore I mean right. that's I mean you, you've got you can't I don't know if you make anyone on something that's gonna take you down there
2: first of all, you hit your miracle flop with the two you bet big enough at that point to get this straight draw out is is your goal right yeah and then. If they do call, then fine, whatever. You shouldn't have been in the hand, lesson learned. Then you get bailed out on the river with an eight to make a boat. And now you're scared of sixes and eights or nines. Like, then why were you in the hand? Yeah. (laughs) So basically what you're saying is I knew I was beat pre-flop. I thought I was beat on the flop. I thought I was beat on the river and the turn. Yeah. Why?
4: But I but I bet all the way through it and <laughs> then got to the end and couldn't do it. You know what? I, I would love to hear you'll have to you'll have to email uh and and find out I mean how he did the rest of the night because that's a that's a lucky one <laughs> yeah. right there. I wanna see I wanna hear how the rest of the night went with him on that one. That's a fair point.
2: Yeah, that's <laughs> a I, fair point. I
4: feel like that is just sitting on it ready to go the rest of the night.
2: I hope you picked up your horseshoe and went off on the table.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's a good point. <laughs> All right, well, Joe, I'm sorry for completely bashing you on that hand, but it was it it was awful played by you, but it was also awful played. I I didn't even mention this the the five seven of diamonds is also awful. Yeah, like what are you doing in the hand too? But that's a whole different story. Uh, Patrick, I appreciate you being here another week, and um, we'll do this again.
4: Absolutely, I appreciate being here. Hey, and the other Joe out there, you know what? You could take that one. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right hey, if you guys have another hand of the week you'd like me to bash you on. I mean, go over, then uh, <laughs> send it into podcast at com. The question
1: is, how you running?:
2: All right, here we are with Thomas Swim. He is our Northeast ambassador, and uh, of course, the first question is always, how you running, Thomas?
5: Well, I went up to the uh, WSP Circuit event at Turning Stone uh, yesterday, and I think I made it a whole blind level. <laughs> so I think that uh, gives you some of some kind of a good idea about how I was running. It was a turbo, so I was just trying to trying to find my spot to get it in and double up. But you know, uh, <laughs> uh, that's how I'm sort of running right now.
2: That's still rough, turbo or not. That's rough, but yeah. <laughs> But uh, there's a few things that you've got going on there we we said we were going to talk about, but uh, let's start with your own event there at uh, Rivers.
5: Yeah, so, uh, so coming up uh, in Schenectady, New York, we have uh, at the Rivers Casino, we have our own Electric City Series event. I believe you're coming up and playing a couple of the events up there. Um I've mentioned the the
2: Rivers Revival is the one I'm most looking forward to actually selling a piece of myself not uh, just kind of happened last week's podcast but for the yeah. for the um for the main event some of the listeners have reached out and offered to to buy some pieces of me for that too so I'll be playing those two for sure and probably a few more
5: Yeah the Rivers Revival event we're running I think two times during the series it's really interesting yeah. it's when you bust you automatically come back in with 20 big blinds regardless of when it is. You could be heads up at the final table. If you have not busted and then you bust, you come back with 20 big blinds. So it's it provides a really interesting dynamic because you know once you get deep into tournaments like that, a 20 big blinds can be the big oh, stack yeah. of the table. So
1: Absolutely.
5: it does it does provide a really interesting little rift into what it, what would be an you know a relatively normal you know tournament. And there are guarantees, at the, for for those who don't know, if you want to go on the Rivers Casino website and look it up, um, there are guarantees on all of our events. Some of them are bigger, some are smaller. But for the Rivers Revival events, they are 10000 guaranteed. So there will be opportunity. My expectation is there's a chance at some overlays during this series. So there's definitely some value to be taken to, that you can get by uh, showing up to the Electric City Poker Series in Schenectady, New York, coming up in a couple of weeks. It is nice. the 11th. April 11th through April 23rd, mo the one uh, the see the event I'm most interested in talking about if I can continue on for just a second is yeah uh, the mystery bounty. I haven't seen really a mystery bounty event in the Northeast before. Uh, I think this I believe like without you know checking a crazy amount of history, I believe this is the first one that's taking place in the Northeast. Uh, It's a $400 mystery bounty, 75k guaranteed. I think the biggest mystery bounty is going to be 10k. Wow. Um, which is, you know, a lot. And I think we're gonna have a crazy turnout. My expectation is that'll be our biggest event of the series.
2: Oh, okay. That's, that is pretty incredible to think about, you know, bust one person and it's 10, it could be 10 grand. Yeah. Um, those are happening once you bust the bubble, right?
5: Yeah. It's, so it's day two. Yeah. So it's day two. Everybody. Yeah. That's when you, that's when the mystery bounties start to get drawn. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, what else what other events there do you have or what else is going on up there
5: you know up up here it's i mean we're all sort of getting into gearing up mode for this for this large you know for this big series you know in the northeast there isn't a lot going on the the uh turning stone event uh the circuit event just ended the turning stone event absolutely crushed this the circuit actually absolutely crushed their numbers from last year they were getting thirty to forty percent more players than they were getting last year, and I really think it speaks to how vibrant the poker community is up here and how starved they are for good tournaments right i mean i know from the limited experience i had i just went up and played the one event i was going to go up and play the six max and the plo but i was too sick so i wasn't able to go but if you're a good poker player and you come up to some of these tournaments you can see there's value to be had yeah you know from most of these people just don't play a lot of tournaments they don't know the correct strategies and you can definitely there's definitely value to be had in playing these bigger high guarantee events because you know you get people who don't play a lot coming out to play especially you know and given the given the turnout at turning stone i think that just a lot of dead money if you know what you're doing i think you know there's a lot of value to be had playing these bigger tournament series if you can drive out to them or even fly out to them people are starved for this kind of content and when they can get it, they're they're coming out, you know, regardless of skill level price point seems to matter a little less. Um, you know, with inflation going up, a four hundred dollar a four hundred dollar tournament really is only, you know, two fifty, three hundred, you know. So right. That makes sense. Yeah.
2: I talked a little bit last week on the podcast about how the numbers were crushing with some of the tournaments in the Midwest as well. So it's exciting to hear, you know, how much poker is growing and how much excitement there is around the game right now
5: yeah i mean it's really nice to see i mean we in the northeast especially in my area we always had a vibrant tournament community you know there's firehouse tournaments all over the place people love to get them and you know if they can't they're gonna they create their own way like (laughs) which is you know which is good it's it's fun to see i feel like the tournament community is different from the cash community uh in that there's just, it's just more vibrant. I feel like it's more, it can be more friendly and it it opens up more opportunities. Some people just don't like playing cash and they'll come, but they'll come out and fire a tournament anytime they have the opportunity. And you're starting to see more tournaments, not necessarily series, but like, even if it's a, you know, I've always been a big fan of the one weekend series a you know, a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, day two series. Those are always my favorite to play because it, you know, it keeps, those kinds of tournaments are mostly local. You know, you get to really see exactly like what kind of, you know, turnout you can get for what kind of community you have going into those kinds of events. And you, you know, you will get people driving from out of town to come play. And I think those are always really fun. Yeah. I think live live casino in Philly actually is running a, a similar event to that. I believe right now it's a Thursday. It's a, I believe it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, day two, $500 150k guaranteed going on live this weekend which would be the 30th through the 1st of April so if you're in town for that that seems like that could be probably be pretty good value if anybody's out around in Philly this week Use that
2: as the gear up toward the electric city exactly yeah (laughs) Yeah.
5: that was a nice little warm-up right there
2: so I know I mean you've You've got that going on with tournaments. You've got the Electric City City coming up soon. But what about uh, cash? Is it kind of giving way to the tournaments right now, or is there a pretty good cash scene going on right now?
5: So, I mean, Turning Stone, you know, was running 30 games a day during their series. Uh, Lots of 5-5 PLO. I mean, but if you look on Bravo right now, they're going to be running two games for the rest of, you know, for the next three weeks, probably, because everybody's burned (laughs) out. Yeah, I mean, cash up here is generally very steady. You see, you know, you don't see a lot bigger in north of Pennsylvania, anyways. North of Philadelphia, you don't see a lot of games bigger than five ten. You'll occasionally get a ten twenty five out at MGM Springfield. Um, people love playing that game because Rampage shows up every once in a while. And oh, really? <laughs> Rampage loves dumping into that game, so uh, yeah, because that's where he originally started out. Um, if you look back at his old old vlogs, you can see you'll see a lot of the MGM Springfield casino out there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you do get some PLO, um, occasionally at the MGM, or you, you know, you drive out to Boston and Encore, you'll see some there too, and you'll get some at the uh, you know, the various casinos, you know, in New Hampshire, definitely down in Philly. You know, they're running. I saw Philly P- Parks is running a fifty a hundred game right now, and I don't know how often that gets off, but fifty hundred <laughs> no limit game. I can't imagine that gets off too often down there. Um, yeah. they're running a lot of PLO and OE and hold 'em and all that kind of stuff down there. You know, as for promotions, it's pretty typically you see a lot of $500 every half or every hour. It's been very steady for like probably about six months now where if you look day day by day, you know, week by week, all the numbers are pretty even, you know. You go down to like the Resorts World and the Catskills are very busy on the weekends, very slow during the week. If you're in New York City and you want to drive up to res- looking for some action, you want to drive up or take the train up to Resorts World, definitely some action there to be had on weekends, not so much during the week. But day by day, week by week, you see basically the same amount of the same games going at the same time during the same week north of new york city that makes sense Um, it's been very very steady which is good it's definitely not a bad thing to know exactly what you're going to get at a given time if you if you decide you want to go play right
2: right speaking of new york city what's uh, the word on games up there now
5: so right now they're in the bidding process for all the new york city casinos there's been lots of talk of you know basically Nobody, no major operation is not bidding on um, <laughs> the opportunity to uh, have a casino in New York City. With the idea of thinking, regardless of the cost to build, regardless of you know the operating costs it's just gonna print money oh, yeah. so there's talks of you know out in queens or you know there's definitely gonna be one in, i would assume there'll be one in manhattan in manhattan somewhere one in queens there's already one up in uh yonkers uh they that may have it might have a chance to go to uh it's a it's a racino right now but t- i think it might have a chance to go and turn into a full casino with table games and poker and Sports books and that kind of stuff. Okay. But uh, as of right now, they're sort of in a holding pattern. I don't think any major decisions are being made until the end of the year, or at least towards the end of the year. And at that point, you'll probably see licenses start to be handing out and new casinos will start being built. Because they're going to be, and my assumption would be they're going to be multi year projects. Sure. I'd be surprised if anybody, if any, if you saw a casino near City open in the next, two to three years, I'd be shocked.
2: Yeah. But the thing that the places here in Virginia have been doing are renting out some of the old buildings and putting temporary casinos in those until the other one is built. Any word on
5: something yeah, like have that? have you ever been to one of those? I
2: have not. I have not.
5: (laughs) I don't feel like that's a good sign, though. Right. Uh, Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I hear interesting things about those because, I mean, Rivers, I'm aware of them only because Rivers just put a new casino down in Portsmouth, which is by Virginia Beach. Right. And... uh, they are one of a number of casinos that have just gone in, and I know that some of them have put up those temporary casinos. Right. Uh, I that is an interesting concept. I do not see that happening in New York City. Uh, feels unlikely, if only because of regulation issues. Uh,
2: yeah, that makes sense.
5: But that being said. You know, when those casinos do go up, I think it's going to be probably some of the best casinos in the world, (laughs) (laughs) at least for, uh, you know, I, uh, you know what the thing about those casinos is though, is I'm going to be interested to see, given the problems that Encore had when they opened up in Boston. So Encore's main problem was parking. When they originally opened up, they had, you know, a 60 table room and a limited garage and there's nowhere else to park. And Boston, and there was no t, there was no train station to Encore when they opened, so they had a big issue with parking. The poker players eating up all their parking spots, which is eventually why they, uh, when they reopened, they decided not to open poker because Encore poker room is open now, but it wasn't when they initially reopened post pandemic. But when they reopened, they decided not to reopen because they just didn't have the parking so They were committing too much money to poker players via parking spaces <laughs> than they were worth to the casino anyways. So I'd be interested to see what happens with those New York City casinos and poker only because the dollar per square foot is so much lower than slots and table games players. My worry would be if they don't have the parking, poker may take a very large backseat. Or what you might see is cruise ship style rakes where they're taking $25 off a, you know, they're taking 10% up to 25 or something like that, where it's, it's really, especially if you're a low limit player, it's basically impossible to beat the rake. That would be my main concern with poker going Mm -hmm. on down in New York city, but you know, I'm interested to see how that'll work out.
2: Yeah. And I kind of coming back to the point with the, with the temporary casinos, I think that's the, that's the reason I haven't been to the temporary because the poker doesn't get right. to come into those because it's not making the money right. that the others are. It's hard so. to beat slot machines, yeah. you know.
5: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> talk about beating yeah. the house. It's hard to it's hard to beat slot machines. It's really tough. Absolutely. All right. Well, is there anything else that uh, everybody needs to know? Um. Yeah. There's one more thing. I saw something pretty interesting. Uh, going on down in Philly. The uh the Rivers Casino in Philadelphia is running a 50k free roll. In June, which caught my eye because I hadn't seen anything like that—at least not since casinos reopened in the Northeast—it's all based. It's based off your cash play. Um, the more hours you play, the more opportunity, the more chips you earn in their 50k free roll, and that is a large number. Uh, I was a very surprised when I saw that. So, if you're in the Philadelphia area, I would recommend you guys check that out because that's a lot of value to be had, especially if you're a cash game grinder you know, I imagine coming in first in that tournament is going to be pretty significant if you're just like a, if you're looking for some, a little bit of extra value while you're playing.
2: Absolutely. Wow. That's a good ROI, right? Yeah. There. I mean,
5: it could be, yeah, no, it just seems like something where it's just a little extra value. I mean, cause of, you know, 50k free roll. I, my thing is the amount of hours they require makes me wonder if it will be not that many entries. Uh, You might be looking at like, you know, I'm just running numbers in my head, but I think you might only have like 100 entries into this 50k free roll. I have trouble seeing more more than that number. I'd probably take the under on 100, to be honest. So if you're, you know, a cash game grinder, you normally go to live or, you know, you normally go to, I don't know, parks or someplace like that. And you are, you know, a big fan of tournaments, you might consider heading down to uh, Rivers Casino in Philadelphia and checking that out. Because it seems like an interesting, uh, an interesting little promotion they're running.
2: All right. Very good. Well, listen, Thomas. I appreciate you jumping on here. I will see you when I make it out there for the Electric City tournament. I probably just, a couple just weeks away. Yep, I'll probably you'll be working hard, so I'll probably just see you from across the room, wave a wave a hand. And- <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah, it sounds right. And uh, Joe, happy opening day. Yes, that's right. right. Opening day for baseball. Absolutely. So, yeah.
2: Just we'll go ahead and throw this out there. How are your Red Sox looking? I haven't even same um
5: they're either gonna win 95 games or 12 games <laughs> um, <laughs> which is uh quite the spread um I was looking at their over under numbers their over unders like 78 wins I think I take the over on 78 but maybe not by a lot yeah
2: yeah well as everybody on here knows I'm I'm a Royals fan and I'm just hoping for middle of the road at this point so if we're in the middle of the pack this year you know, these young kids learn to compete, then I'll be happy with that.
5: I like the combination of having like a 40 year old Zach Ranky and Bobby Witt hanging out <laughs> together. He's yeah. like, he's the age of his dad, basically. Like, I think that's sort of fun, but I don't know. It's the worst team to watch if you're looking for like a little excitement this year with all those young players. So. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. All right. Very good. Well, I appreciate that. And we'll, uh, we'll talk again in a few weeks.
5: Yeah. Joe, nice to see you. I'll see you up at, uh, Rivers in a couple of weeks. Okay. Yep. Sounds
1: good. Stop for Joe's. One
2: outer.
1: There's a quote
2: from Albert Einstein that I used to have taped on the wall above my computer at work. More the knowledge, lesser the ego. Lesser the knowledge, more the ego. Having a big ego in poker can prove costly and ultimately hurt your results. When decisions are driven by emotion and not logic, you're in trouble at the poker table. In a live setting, the player with the biggest ego is pretty easy to spot. They'll be the ones educating the table on how to play. They're also the ones bragging about their latest successes and showing bluffs with pride. They aren't necessarily bad players, but their ego will harm them in the long run, whether they know it or not. Tilt is one of the biggest challenges poker players face. Now, I know I've talked about this in my one-outer before, so I'm not going to go crazy with this point. But ego is one of the biggest factors leading to tilt. Ego tricks players into believing they should be able to beat these far weaker opponents. And when that doesn't happen, their ego gets bruised, which in turn can lead to the player going on tilt. A lot of players at the poker table overrate themselves. I like to play this little game when I go to the casino. You should try this too. Ask some random players from time to time about their poker results. It's pretty incredible. Almost no one is a losing player. In fact, if everyone I asked won as often as they say, there wouldn't be any money to be had in poker. It's all being sucked up by the players in the local casino. Trust me when I say this. We're probably not as good as we think we are. I know, that's a tough pill to swallow. But we typically play with a lot of the same group, so our results there may cause us to think we are far better than we actually are in relation to the bigger pool of players. So before your next session, do everything you can to remove emotion from your decision-making process. Check your ego at the door and find spots to take advantage of the tilted guy telling everyone who will listen how they should have played that last hand. That's today's One Outer, and that's today's show. See you next week, A-Team, and until then, I'll see you at the tables.
1: The Annie Up Podcast is a production of AnnieUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AnnieUpMagazine.com or call the show at 540-339-7741. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to editor at AnnieUpMagazine.com.